0: In every pair of Tacovas boots, you can expect handmade quality, first-wear comfort, and timeless western style. Tacovas boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles visit tecovas.com that's t-e-c-o-v-a-s.com and don't go gently y'all fishing like
1: a local isn't just about catching fish it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home it's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
0: in every pair of decovus boots you can expect handmade quality first wear comfort and timeless western style a great pair of western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or find leather goods. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett.
2: Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 1, Episode 45, Virginia's Mossy Creek. Also known as the podcast where you need to walk softly and carry a long stick. I'm gonna give a shout out in this episode to my client Gene. Gene had emailed me about going to Mossy Creek with his wife, and throughout several emails of giving him ideas and hints on how to fish Mossy Creek, I said to myself, you know what? Maybe I should just do a podcast on Mossy Creek and get all this information compiled in one location on the internet so anybody can find it. And what kind of consultant would I be if I did not go out and fish Mossy Creek to get you the best information? I just walked in the door, I had a phenomenal day out there with my friend Khalil and we fished all day and I am completely exhausted and after this I'm gonna go eat a big sandwich, take a hot shower and go to sleep. This podcast has been brought to you by the fine friends and people at Patagonia, makers of some awesome, awesome equipment. If you listen to my layering podcast, you'll know I'm a huge fan of their fingertipless gloves, their layering systems, their um, what am I a huge fan of now? See, I'm so beat from being out in the sun all day. I'm a huge fan of their nanopuff pants. If you need something for the holidays, you put down the nanopuff Patagonia pants. They are the most comfortable thing you will wear in your waders, without your waders, walking the dog, having brunch, even going to the grocery store. The only fallback is they don't have a pocket for your wallet. So what I'm going to tell you in this podcast is a background on Mossy Creek. I'm going to tell you about the fish in Mossy Creek. I'm going to explain how to fish Mossy Creek. And then I'm going to talk about the fly shops that will provide you with specific flies and information that's up to date about the conditions of mossy creek like i said i do the research so you don't have to which is why i went fishing today i'm gonna have um 13 years worth of photographs of mossy creek up on a blog about this and that blog will then be transferred eventually to the podcast page on my website where i don't really put these up as often as i should let's start off with just some general information from the internet This is from the Virginia Department of Game and Inland Fisheries website. Mossy Creek is Virginia's most famous fly fishing destination. Flowing through rolling farmland is a classic limestone creek that features tough-to-catch brown trout, undulating masses of aquatic vegetation, swift runs, and deep drop-offs. It is especially challenging to beginning fly anglers and even can frustrate experienced fly fishermen. Since no wading is allowed, fish must be approached cautiously from steep banks. Those with patience and technique have often been rewarded with 25-inch brownie hookups. Mossy Creek was first opened to the public fishing in 1978. The Department of Game and Inland Fisheries, Trout Unlimited, and landowners along the stream partnered to create this world-class fishery, It was sealed with a simple agreement that all anglers must carry a signed permit card along with a valid Virginia fishing license. Since that time, fishermen have honed their fly fishing skills, and hundreds of brown have been caught and released from its spring-fed waters. Thousands of young brown trout have been stocked into its waters since the 1970s, allowing the food-rich waters and stable flow of Mossy Creek to grow out the fingerlings. The result is a popular destination that is sure to resonate with flycasters of all ages. Mossy Creek runs through private property, so courtesy to landowners and their property is expected. Parking is allowed at two parking lots, one next to Mossy Creek Presbyterian Church, and the other at the junction of Route 42 and Route 2, Route 747, like the airplane. No restrooms or port johns are available. No handicap access is available. New fence crossings were installed by the Department of Game and Linen Fisheries, Trout Unlimited, Boy Scouts, and Dominion Resources Personnel 2006. A four-mile portion of stream upstream from the augusta Rockingham County line to a sign posted at the confluence of Joseph Spring. The stream is located just off Route 42 south of Bridgewater. You can then click on a map. Fishing is restricted to fly fishing only. Any written landowner permit must be obtained. This no-cost permit can be obtained online, which is the fastest and easiest option. By mail, it requires a permit and a self-addressed stamped envelope sent, or you can go to the Verona regional office. We have to give another shout-out to the fine guys at Mossy Creek Outfitters. Last night, Khalil and I had trouble printing our permits, but we were able to do it successfully from their fly shop today. Let's talk about the stream from what I have done. My first fly fishing trip there was in September of 1999. I was working at the Orvis store at the time. I had a bunch of cool new gear that I had purchased as you know fly shop employee. And I went with my local Trout Unlimited chapter. So about 16 dudes fishing a relatively short stretch of water. And I was pretty frustrated. I didn't know what to expect. I'd always read about Mossy Creek in magazines and articles and I just known about it but it took me years of patience and observation to give you the information I'm going to provide now Mossy Creek is in Augusta County you can google the intersection of Kyle's Mill Road and Mossy Creek Road or you can search Mossy Creek Presbyterian Church It is about 2 hours from Washington DC it's a straight shot You go 66 west to 81 south and take the exit towards the west when you get to the town of Bridgewater. Once you get the dead end of that road, you make a left. That'll take you about five to six miles, and then you're going to make a right and follow Monster Creek Road to the signs for the church. It is a spring-fed creek. Thus, the temperature is the same year-round. The same water clarity year-round unless there have been recent heavy storms where you get mass runoff off the fields nearby. The stream meanders through pasture land. It has a fairly consistent depth. The aquatic macroinvertebrates live year-round. The aquatic vegetation as well lives year-round. Thus, the trout can grow and feed and hide year-round and can get to big sizes fairly quickly. And the water's usually milky. You're not going to see too deep in there. That has to do with the buffers and the minerals from the limestone. I spoke with Jason Halliker from the Department of Game and Inland Fisheries. Like I said, I do the research so you don't have to. And I sent Jason a list of some questions for this podcast, and he provided me some fantastic information. He stated, we shock a variety of fish when we sample mossy. It is loaded with sculpins, so bring your sculpin patterns. We also catch fallfish, rock bass, white suckers, American eels, pearl dace, fantail darters, black nose dace, and the occasional rainbow trout. We want to ask him about the macroinvertebrates that inhabit mossy, because this is what we want to base our flies off of: Blueing olives, or also known as betas, sulfurs, dun variants, march browns, spotted sedge, black gnats, crayfish scuds, green drakes, and in the summer, plenty of ants, beetles, and grasshoppers. I think Jason is a fly fisherman. He was definitely using sort of fly fishing terminology and stuff that we would recognize. There really is no visible change in elevation. You're not going to see any plunge pools and drop-offs. It's just a meandering stream going through a pasture land. There's the private section versus the public section. The public section is where all of us fish, by ourselves. If you want to hire a guide, you can fish the private section. And there's also sections that are not even open to fly fishing. Several years ago, a kid was drowning some night crawlers and caught like an eight or nine pound brown trout in his grandparents' backyard. These fish, when they're stocked, can move up and down wherever they can go unless there's physical barriers. So they can go in and out of the private and public water. Tom and I were fishing the private stretch it was 2002 on mother's day and we stayed at the mossy creek lodge with bob kramer and bob is known for throwing flies that look like deceivers on mossy creek he's the man to talk to about fishing mossy if you want big fish we went down there and we spent the night in the lodge we drank a bunch of coconut moonshine with bob and then at first light tom and i got up and we had the whole day to fish ourselves it was mother's day so it was nice warm spring weather and we fished terrestrials all day. You know, the smallest fish we probably caught were 16 to 18 inch browns. And the biggest we caught was, I uh, got about a six pound brown with a, a kite jaw underneath a bridge on the stupidest looking, just foam monstrosity with rubber legs that you can imagine. It was awesome. It was on that old favorite Orvis Trident TL9064 rod that I freaking loved. And I love these pictures because it shows me when I was skinny and I only had one chin. And we had a phenomenal day out there. We caught rainbows and Tom caught like an 18-inch um, fall fish. I guess we can confirm it fall fish now because Jason gave us that information. Mossy, the public stretch is not as crowded as you'd think. The parking lot holds about four to five cars. Today was pretty busy. There were three other people on the stream. There was, uh looked like a dad and a son or maybe a woman, depending on the long hair. I couldn't tell. And then there was a dude fishing Tenkara. And that was about it. Usually if you see somebody, there's the bridge, there's upstream, and there's downstream from the parking lot. If you see someone there at the same time, you say, are you going up or down? If you say up, the other dude's going to go down. And then you switch later on. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish.
1: It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home.
2: I would suggest fishing on weekends and holidays, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, Super Bowl, Valentine's, any day where people have to be home with their significant others and families because you're going to have to stream yourself on those days. It's a lot of walking, so be a minimalist. Don't be that dude that goes out there with the 40-pound vest. Honestly, there are three flies that I will I will fish there, so I really only need like an Altoids box full of flies. You don't need a whole lot of gear. I'll talk about that later. But it's a lot of walking. I'm exhausted. But then again, I had my daughter on my back all day for about five or six hours. So carrying extra like 25 pounds in a frame pack that doesn't have compression straps for my waist was pretty tough. It's surrounded by cow pastures. So there's definitely cows walking around. There's very thick vegetation that is not maintained in the stream or on the stream banks. The stream banks, whatever the cows eat and trample, that's what's left or growing. If there's cows there, they trample it, you're good. Where there's no cows, you've got vegetation that's shoulder high. The vegetation in the water is not maintained. I've been told that in England, some of the trout streams, they'll rake out the stuff, and you can actually see the fish in the middle feeding. Here, it's just, like the website said, undulating vegetation. It looks like raccoon tails just dancing back and forth, and that's going to confuse you. You might see one piece sticking out going back and forth, thinking it's a giant trout tail, but it's not. It's vegetation. There are cow pies and cow hoof holes, so definitely you know, be careful where you're stepping. You're, you're stepping cow pies. Just, just see one and step in it just to get it over with. And cows are very big, so when they're walking along the mud, they're gonna trample that shoreline and there are potholes everywhere. I almost got stuck today in the mud and Khalil got some nasty stuckness too. Just when the cows just walk along the shoreline, and that's the biggest problem with this world class fishery is you've got cattle that defecate and urinate in the water. I'll put a photograph up of a cow that tried to cross and got stuck in the mud and drowned. There are muskrat holes along certain sections, so you can be walking in the wintertime, and they can be covered with snow, and you might fall in up to your thighs, so be careful. You could break a bone if you're not careful. There's electric fences periodically throughout the downstream section. You'll see little boxes along the fences, and you'll hear like a buzzing sound. If you grab it, you'll get zapped, and if depending on the graphite on your rod, it can zap you too if you're holding your graphite when you touch it. There is no wading in Mossy Creek. Thus, it's pure muck. If you step in there, you're going to sink and you're not going to come out. It is pure muck. I don't know how deep it is because I've never ventured into it. There, however, are well-beaten paths along the shoreline that you can follow on either shore. It's not just the cows that trample it. It's also people walking up and down. In the summertime, there's plenty of spearmint growing. It smells very nice when you have a hot summer day. Tom has also used that. He'll uh, just chew on it or he'll wipe his bum if he's got to make a big potty up on um, the hills. Remember, there's really no shade. There's no trees. So if you got to go to the bathroom, you know, you're just going to have to go out in a field somewhere. There is a creepy building at the top. Tom and our friend Goldsmith, he doesn't work on gold. That's his name. It's not like his trade, went up to that building and said there was a. Uh, like the floor was gone and there was just a basement down below and it was full of just cow bones. He said it was really creepy. There's angular access with steps and staircases throughout to prevent the cows from going in and out. You can go over the fences. Most of the fences are going to be, you know, shoulder high. You cannot separate the metal and go through them. You're going to have to find a fence and go over. I already mentioned their cows are going to shite and they're going to piss in the water. Sometimes they'll be in knee deep water on the edge and just look at you and take a dump and then you know there's like 10 gallons of feces and that whole stretch is done for a while but then again some people will tell you oh that's great it fertilizes the stream but then you've got these thousand pound animals walking up and down the shoreline which completely trample it i would suggest when you park you fish all the way up to the top to where it becomes marshland the the spring is definitely going to be visible there's not going to be a real defined creek anymore and there'll be a sign this is end special regulation. Walk your way back. If you got bites along the way up, fish those spots. It's hard to know where you got bites. Today, we stuck a uh, goose feather and the, a cow pie vertically as a flag where I flushed or spooked probably like a 16 to 18-inch brown trout. I mean, just the push of the fish when it got spooked was huge, big shoulders on this thing. I was like, we got to come back here. But there were anglers on the we, – we walked on the other side back. And we didn't get to fish that hole. And then go back, have lunch. Tom would usually wring out his socks. And then you can fish down until uh, you can't fish anymore. then fish back up to your car and your day's done. We fished from 11 to 4 today. And it was, it was enough out there. I'm tired. All right, so the fish. Predominantly brown trout. They are stocked as fingerlings. And the big joke is they're stocked to be food for the adult fish. Per Jason... VDGIF, which is Virginia Department of Game and Inland Fisheries, stocks 10,000 advanced fingerling brown trout every year within the three-mile public stretch of water. There are approximately six to eight inches in length. The upper end of the life expectancy of these stocked fish is about five years. At this age, the fish can reach 20 plus inches. Department of Game and Inland Fisheries, current estimates show approximately 500 fish per mile, so it is definitely a target-rich environment. Currently, they do not have any mark and recapture studies planned for Mossy Creek. That means you catch a fish, you tag it, and then you hopefully catch it again to see how much it's grown, because you're going to capture it, measure it, note where you caught it, and then when you captured, did this fish migrate? How much has it grown? The problem with fish is you got to determine... Their age by their otoliths, which is means literally ear bone in Latin, and it's like a tree ring. They grow bones in their ears, and they have rings on them like trees. That's how the age of the snake heads up in our parts of the water. Be sneaky when you're fishing for these trout. Don't cast shadows on the water. Don't make noise. Blend in. Stand back from the bank. Stand in the shade when you cast. Stand up against a a spruce tree. Crouch. You want to be a hunter. These fish live in an open environment where there's loons and raccoons and muskrats and anglers all trying to get them. They're going to be hiding in that water. You probably will not see these fish unless they come out to chase or fly. You spook them or they're actively feeding on something. They can get up to several pounds and they're usually a buttery silver in color. They're not like a, a dark brown with deep blue and red spots. They're usually kind of, I think it's product of where they live is that silvery kind of milky water. They kind of blend in. So the whole thing is, don't let the fish notice you. Remember, fish are always looking upstream. So if you're fishing, walking upstream, they can't see you coming from behind. The problem today was my daughter, was she's you know 18 months as of yesterday. She's screeching and, and St. Elmo and up are her two words, and just making a whole lot of babbling noises. And then she would pull on my hair and giggle because I haven't cut my hair in like five or six months. She was pulling my hat off and giggling, and she was pulling my Costa Del Mar sunglass straps. And she thought that was all hilarious. So she's giggling, and I'm sure those fish hurt. Um, you also got to watch out for when the cows, like I said, defecate in the water. When the cows walk along the stream, they're making noise. These fish are so well hidden in that vegetation, they're not going to let you see them. So don't be surprised if you go out there and don't see any fish. I had about a 10 to 11 inch brown slowly come out and kind of peck at my fly. Otherwise, I never would have seen that, you know, if the white mouth and Khalil on a second cast had a bite and you just saw that white mouth come up and grab it. Otherwise, you don't see these fish unless you spook them and you see a wake and you might have like a 20 inch fish in like eight inches of water if they can hide well enough. And we'll get into that. Let's talk about the fishing now in Mossy Creek. You have four seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. In the winter, I would strictly fish streamers. You can fish other things. I've caught, today I caught my fish on a terrestrial. I've caught fish on New Year's Day on terrestrials. If it's warm enough, there are going to be bees and flies around. There were leafhoppers today. So there are terrestrials about, depends on the, the weather. Springtime, terrestrials and streamers. Summertime, terrestrials, terrestrials, terrestrials. Fish close to the shade. What do I say? Fish closer to the springs and shade. Okay, in the summertime, the water will get hot from the sun. So these fish are gonna go find the shaded locations, which is remember they're exothermic organisms. Their body is based on their body temperature is based on the environment. So if it gets hot, they need to cool off by their finding shade. Oh, we got another helicopter. That's two podcasts in a row. We've got buzzed. Tuka, 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 tuka. They are gonna find the springs where water's percolating out at like that perfect like 50 degree temperature. Man, we're always getting buzzed here by helicopters. Fall hoppers and streamers. Like today, uh, there were hatches going on like crazy. The the hatches today were crane flies, small ones, like a size 10. There were some mayflies coming off and just midges, like clouds of midges. I try to take my pictures with the iPhone, but I doubt they'll come out. Just blizzards. They're going up your nose and your ears. Another thing in summertime, at night, you want to fish white wolves for the white fly hatch. I don't know if, I'll tell the story now because if it's not in the podcast later. Tom and I were out there July of 2001 It was the best fishing we'd ever had. We got there at about 4 in the afternoon, and we fished sunset. And I'd never seen an evening hatch out there before. And we hooked a fish on almost every cast. It was absurd. We were fishing white wolves, about size 12 and 14. And the mayflies, you'd think it was snowing in reverse. The whites coming off of the water. It was magical. And you just heard up and down the stream. It looked like people were throwing gravel and I'd never seen that density of fish coming out. And I went through that section today and I didn't see a single fish, but you know, they're there and they're well hidden. And if there's mayflies coming off in that mass, they're going to be eating them. And then we went up and camped in the George Washington national forest. If you want to camp, you continue on Mossy Creek road and it'll take you up into the mountains. You can just pull off and fish. The next day we went back and we just fished beetles all day long. And club sandwich flies and it was fantastic one of the best days on mossy creek ever so the flies um bugs that live along open fields and bugs that live in spring creek so you're gonna have all sorts of terrestrials this is green pasture land anything that's green that lands in the water they're probably gonna eat it green or brown beetle shaped or hopper shaped you have leaf hoppers you've got um praying mantises you've got leaf-footed bugs there are assassin bugs, there are grasshoppers, there are crickets, there are, I mean, you name it. You drag a butterfly net through the plants, you're going to come up with 60 different species. And that's what lives along open fields. So make your flies look like those. And you're going to have trichos. When you get to the bridge in the summertime, there's going to be trichos all stuck in the the uh, spider webs. I don't fish trichos there because that's just difficult pain in the ass fishing. Pain in the butt, I'm Sorry. And bugs that live in Spring Creeks, he already heard those. Uh, Crest bugs, scuds, midges. Today I pulled out some vegetation, that caddisfly larva. You're going to want to fish big streamers. I fish my bacon fly. It's the only streamer I'll fish for trout. I should say non-steelhead trout. And then you've got the Virginia famous Crelex fly, which you can purchase at Mossy Creek Fly Shop. You can buy it through them, or you can buy the material, which is called Krennic. It's this gold shimmery material and the fly was created by chuck craft who is like virginia's first fly fishing guide and it's a super easy tie and it's gold and you can see it in the water and that's what khalil was fishing today and on a second cast he had a bite and i was like dude i've never seen a fish come out that early on a day on mossy creek and it was that fly it's super simple um the brothers from mossy colby and brian have a youtube video on how to tie it Buy the material from them. You can also get it at Urban Angler in Arlington. I'm sorry, Alexandria, which is down the street. The shop used to be in Arlington. And they just love it. I've tied it with other flashy materials, and it just doesn't hold up. It doesn't work. You you really need that krennic material. So big streamers. You already heard the bait fish that are in there. Mimic those. Japanese beetles. You can use the Bill Skilton Japanese beetle. You can use any. Just foam beetle works. Foam ants grasshoppers in the summer dave's hopper shanks cricket club sandwiches any of my small medium large ant hopper foam patterns with rubber legs and you want to dead drift them trichos in the summer mornings i already mentioned that summer nights you want to use white wolves you can use a or minnow the first time i went out there we had this kid luca who worked in the fly shop he told me to use a woolhead sculpt and i bought two of them i lost them in the trees we had this guide that worked in our fly shop named William. He suggested uh, shrimps. He was a big fan of fishing shrimps there. The jacid that's the classic Pennsylvania terrestrial. Terrestrial fly fishing, as we know, it was all discovered. It was brought about. It was modernized, however you want to say it, on the central Pennsylvania limestone creeks and the jacid was vince marinero's fly to match the leaf hoppers it was like a peacock curl body wrapped with some hackle and then a little piece of a nail from a jungle cock over it and i can show you a picture today i took a picture of a leaf hopper on a, a fence post today so they're out there mouse patterns i forgot to fish one of those today but i'm sure they're gonna eat mice and crayfish crayfish were what bob kramer always said I picked up some material today from the fly shop to tie Chuck Crafts Claw Dad. Now, my variation stinks. Maybe that's why I told them at the shop I never caught anything on it. And I've been using bike inner tube material to tie the claws. They gave me this stuff. It's like a synthetic suede. But the Claw Dad is super easy pattern, and apparently it's it's crazy good. Um, I guess I can put up some links for that. Super easy. It's just chenille, some rubber legs, lead eyes, and these pre made crawfish legs, which are, they look like chocolate or leather. The fish eat other fish in there. Bob Kramer said you throw those parakeet flies, they look like baby trout. Other fish are going to come eat them. So this might be repetitive from you. This is the information I was giving to Gene, and then decided I need to write it down and make a podcast out of it. And this all has to do with walk softly and carry a long stick. Don't fish near the shore. The fish can feel your feet vibrating on the ground and they will not come out to eat or they will get spooked and swim away. You wanna have a long rod so you can reach out over those places. You want like a 12 foot 10 car rod. Today I was fishing in nine and a half foot six weight. Keep your shadows off the water. Fish the side with the sun across from you so your shadow's not on the water. Fish the bank that doesn't cast a shadow. That's repetitive. Cast your line over the vegetation so only your leader is on the wire. water. There's so much vegetation growing, you might only have maybe a dinner plate size hole where you can drift your fly through or over before it ends up in the weeds. Since you need to be stealthy, you don't want your fly line to hit the water. So cast with a long leader and have your fly line land on all the vegetation and then just your leader and tip it land over that hole. You need to be very good at target practice, I would suggest if you can't put out like a bunch of Frisbees on your lawn and hit one of those with your cast, you're not going to do well at Mossy Creek. If you can put a hula hoop out in your lawn and get one in the middle, that's good. But you need to be really precise where you're going to be fishing. Or you're going to be in the trees, in the weeds, in the thorns. You're going to be catching weeds. And that reminds me, this goes back to a story of this guy, Charlie, that worked in the Orvis store with us. Charlie was going to Patagonia for the winter. He had a box of flies and he wanted to go fish Mossy with me one day, so we drove out there.
0: Whether you're just
2: looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum
0: concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers... Super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to
2: MidwayUSA.com. And he had all these big mice patterns and streamers and everything that he was going to fish in South America. And we get out there and I'm using 8-pound tippet. The issue is if you cast a fly across there and it gets stuck in an old stump on the other shoreline in the, the moss and you can't wait how you get it out. Well, if you're using a thick, heavy tippet, you just yank it and it comes out. Charlie wanted to use 5X because he heard from a bunch of people that these fish are super spooky and leader shy and and you got to be super stealthy to get them. And he lost his entire box of flies before he had a chance to buy new ones and go to South America. You need to use heavy leader and tippet material here. Today we were using 8-pound Berkeley Vanish fluorocarbon, for streamers and for terrestrials, we were using six pound Berkeley Vanish. Stuff comes on big tippet spools, I've talked about it before. And you're gonna be hooking trees and you stuff across the stream. You can't wait out to get those. You just have to pull and either break them off and lose your fly or hope that they bounce back and, and come to you. That's one of the other tidbits I like to tell people. So cast your line, let that leader material drift through and over the hole, not your fly line. If you want to, you know, fish white lines or sky blue, you know, so the fish don't see it going over. They'll definitely spook if they see your a thick shadow and a line going over them. So be stealthy with your fly line. High stick. If you can keep all of your line off the water and just fish your leader, do it. You won't have any drag. You will get your fly exactly where you need it. That's why I'd say the ideal rod would be like a 10 and a half foot 5 weight would be phenomenal for mossy. Those car rods perfect. You can just dangle your fly over and get a, a beetle or hopper or small streamer just to dance along those cut banks. You'll do great. Fish several fe- feet back. If you listen to the last podcast, I talked about that huge brown I caught on the way to the bachelor party. I was like seven or eight feet back from the shoreline when I cast that huge monstrosity of a hopper. And got a really nice brown trout. Stand back. You don't need to be on the edge with your toes Hanging over the the drop offs or the toes in the water. Stand back. Don't let those fish know you're there. Don't make noise. Don't be like shouting up and down. Don't be on your cell phone. Don't like trip and make a bunch of noise. This is stealth hunting. These fish, you know, I don't know if they're smart or what, but like I said, you're not going to see them. If you make noise, you're never going to see them. You might want to wear clothes that blend in with the sky or that blend in, you know, today it was all brown and orange out there. In the summertime, maybe green to blend in with the weeds. Just, you know, if you want to go that end, do it. There was a great podcast back in the day. It was Wiley Thomas, I think Mike Overton. It was the Fly Fish Radio podcast. And they had this guy named uh, Norm Albison or Albiston. He was a professor somewhere in Utah. And he would talk about fly fishing as hunting, camo on your hands and knees. And if somebody can find those podcasts, those things were fantastic. When Norm was on, those were some of the best bits of information you would ever hear. And he talked about, you know, hunting, being stealthy, down on your hands and knees. Don't, you know, try not to crawl through cow pies. But if you want to get down and dirty, do it. You're going to catch more fish. Longer rods. You need strong leaders. Make sure your knots are strong. Uh, precise casting. There's no need for waders. You're going to sweat your uh, cojones off, your huevos, however you want to call them. A pair of wellies is all you need because you're walking through muck and cow pies and some spring-fed areas. If you want to wear waders to protect yourself from the cold and wind, do that. But in the summertime, you're going to get so dehydrated. If it's 95 degrees out, it's going to be 110 out there in those pastures. It's just going to radiate the heat. I'll just go out there in shorts, wellies, and no shirt in the summertime. And that's going to keep you more comfortable than... Now I'll probably wear long sleeves and long pants because I'm more you know shy of the sun. But you want to you know you don't want to be like Tom and I back in the day where you got to wring out your socks after three hours of fishing because you've sweated out a gallon of water. Just pick up some wellies. I wear Le Chameau's and I wear the Walmart ones. Chamo's are expensive. Walmart's are twenty dollars. They're rubber boots. They're great. Polarized glasses are an absolute must, even though you're probably not going to see the fish. It's still pretty cool just to watch all that beautiful green vegetation dancing in the water. And you'll see some minnows and it just makes for a a better experience. Big shade providing hat. Always hotter in the summer. Watch out for skunks. You know, it's along cow pastures and and farmland. So I thought there was a little black cat walking through the grass one day. And I said, "Hey, kitty, how are you?" And it looked up, and I was like, "Oh, beep!" It had a black head with a white spot and stripe. And I was like, "Skunk!" And it turned around. I was dumb enough; I could have walked away, but I wanted to get a picture for the story. I saw a skunk. I was like, arms length from it. And I wanted to pet the cat, and it just—it didn't really squirt me. It uh, kind of just misted the air, and I was like like just dry heaving and i was wearing waders. it was middle of winter so i had waders in a gore-tex jacket so none of it actually touched me it took about a couple weeks for it to kind of just wear off never use water to wash skunk spray off because it's water soluble and it will just be 10 times more concentrated if you get water on that's why you always smell skunks more on a rainy morning remember skunks have no natural predators except for the great horned owl which has no sense of smell Thus, they have no fear of pretty much anything. During the day, they have no predators. At night, they'll cross the street because they're not scared of cars. I don't know if I told you about Martha's Vineyard, but that place is infested with skunks. They're all over the place. They got flattened out all in the morning. Allow your fly to sit on the bottom, if you can, and let it sit there and hang out for a minute or two. That's one of the Bob Kramer secrets, and that tells your fish that that fly might be natural and is just not paying attention. Cast your terrestrials and streamers onto the other bank, so you want to make them weedless if possible, and then just drag them in so they plop in the water right on those edge of the cut banks. That will make it look like a stupid bug that just fell in or your terrestrial just appeared out of nowhere without a huge splash. Fish both sides of the bank. You're going to want to fish across from you, but don't neglect under your feet. There are plenty of good holes and runs right under you. Fish the shade because fish don't have eyelids. They like to hang out in the shade. Fish the structure. There are very few logs and trees and rocks, but there is some structure that will provide more fish hiding locations than others. There's also some weeping willows downstream and a couple bridges. Don't waste all your time at the bridge by the church. Most people are going to fish the first hundred yards up or down and Usually, you don't find big fish there. It's shallow water. There's some great, great structure, beautiful deep pools, and and trees, and meanders and bends. But you know that that's where Khalil caught his or hooked his first fish this morning before he lost it. Great spot. Be adventurous. Go out and fish more. Watch your line because you're fishing on short. It'll get completely tangled up in those weeds. If you don't believe me, it's burdock. It's joe pie weed there is sycamore seedlings horse nettle and thorns all around you and your line will get completely tangled up you might look like a goofball or a total rube if you got a stripping basket but it would totally improve where you are getting your line not tangled up in the bottom the fly shop out there, you want to go to Mossy Creek Fly Shop. It is off Route 33 East if you're coming off of 81. I did my first visit there today. Number one phenomenal thing, parking. We parked and were in the door within five feet. Fully stocked fly shop. They carry all the major brands, Sims, Patagonia, Orvis. They have a ton of flies, specific flies for their region. They guy, Those guys specialize in big smallmouth, big muskie, and big brown trout. I was busy with the kid, and I didn't really get a chance to look through the flies, so I'm going to have to go back. Khalil bought a couple from them. They just opened up the fly tying room in the back, so there's plenty of fantastic fly tying material. They're going to carry all the Eastern Trophies things, the claw dad, the CK bait fish. They're going to carry the tails, all these things that are kind of Virginia-specific flies. And You can go to easterntrophies.com for those or mossycreekstore.com. They had a two huge sale baskets today. I got some awesome, awesome products like Orvis Bass Hooks, 50% off. I got Super Hair, 50% off. I got Peacock Estaz, 50% off. And they also do classes. Mossy Creek Fly Shop is your key for all things Mossy Creek and the Shenandoah Valley. If you listen to the podcast where I interviewed them at the Somerset show, they told you the place you want to eat. They said the best burgers in Virginia. We didn't have time today to fish there because we were uh, kind of pressed for time. It's a Friday. We knew there would be traffic. But it was exactly two hours there and back. Other things I want to mention as I'm uh, running out of time here, don't wear a vest because you're going to carry way too much. The only flies I fish there are Japanese beetle, A hopper pattern, both made out of foam, and my bacon streamer. Uh, You can probably carry one pack of liters and tip it. Nippers, maybe floatant if you need it. Uh, I guess the white wolf would be an exception for a fourth fly. Carry hemostats and a net. That's really about it. Carry lots of fluids because there's nowhere to drink when you're on the stream. We did pump water once, but you've got to carry a water pump with you. Other things. Let's see. Um, what are the words of wisdom do I tell people that are going there, like you? I just had it on the back of my mind because I've been outside in that sun all day. There it is. The sun. Um, it's not really a maintained stream. There's no, you know, there are streams in Pennsylvania where you've got benches along and shade, and you've got a mailbox on the Latort where you can write notes to people. It's pretty barren out there. There's no benches. There really isn't anywhere you can take a break, sit in the shade, and uh, just chill out and cool off. So you've got to be prepared and be hydrated. There's a 7-Eleven right when you pull off, 81, so you can fill up your fluids there. Gas there is about $0.40 cheaper than up here. So that's also another thing. There's the Chinese buffet down there if you need a place to eat. There was a Hardee's, but it's now some other restaurant. There's a Subway not far. So you can go and fish and then come back into the town of Bridgewater and get lunch and then go back. The creel limit is like one 20-inch fish or over, but I don't know why you would ever want to take a fish out of there. Be careful of that burdock. If it gets stuck to your clothes, it's never coming out. Other things to mention. Hmm. You know, it is a difficult stream. I'll, I'll tell people, you know, unless you have a fish bite, you're not going to, don't be discouraged if you don't see fish, you don't catch anything. It's difficult. We caught one fish today. It was a six inch, you know, stocking fingerling brown. Now, that was a good day for me. I'm usually in the first, I'll be honest, the first fish I ever caught there was on a Dave's cricket and I was tying my shoe on my waders and I had to fly just in the water the rod on the ground and I caught a nine inch brown trout. honestly that's how I caught my first fish wasn't even paying attention and I'll, I'll remember that day it was November 1999 and it got gradually hotter and there was this empty fence post just along the stream every kind of hundred yards or so I would put down another layer so first I would just stick my wool hat on it and then my jacket and the next one my sweater because no one's there who's gonna steal like you know an old sweater? So I would just take off my layers. I've done that in Pennsylvania too, where you've got a a fence and just slowly layer on your way back down. You put it back on. Other things: there are cows there. Watch your back cast. Watch the cow pies. Uh, Respect the cows. Don't taunt them. You can ask them where the fish are. They're not going to answer you because they don't talk. Carry toilet paper with you in case you have an emergency. I think that's about it for, you know, words of wisdom from Mossy Creek. It's basically stealthy and don't be discouraged and make sure you go back different times of the year and that's your one shot for some huge brown trout in the Commonwealth of Virginia. People come from Maryland and Pennsylvania to fish there. They come from all over. It's a pretty unique spot and I encourage you to go fish it and that is my podcast series one episode 45 of mossy creek if you want to help monetize this uh podcast you can go to pro guy direct and order brand name fly fishing equipment and put down my name rob snowy or fly fishing consultant and i get commission it's all the gear that i have tried and trusted and endorsed for you and if you're listening now today is friday november 30th i believe there's some free shipping going on right now and you can uh Avoid having to do your Christmas or holiday shopping and don't have to deal with traffic or lines. So, right now, I'm gonna go shower, I'm gonna go eat, I'm gonna go to bed. These are the crazy things I do when my wife is out of town. I go, I had to get out of basically out of the city today. Didn't fish four mile run, we drove to Mossy. I'm Beat. i let Jason take over. This has been a Freestone Media production. Any information you need on contacting Jason, you'll get it now. Thanks for downloading. The next podcast is going to be about Bluegill. Thank you
0: for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com dot com.
1: Thursdays with saltwater experience brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby, 6'8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.